You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for Wahoos 24-7. And Virginia football is back preparing for game week. They'll be traveling to number 10, North Carolina. But we also have a lot of Virginia recruiting news to talk about since Virginia over the course of the last week or so has um, lost a few commitments in the 2024 class in addition to Christian Zachary who decommitted a few weeks ago. So we have a lot of recruiting to talk as well. So, but before we get going, why don't you go ahead and like this video, like this channel and click on the bell so that you're notified whenever there's a new video posted on YouTube, just like the scrimmage highlights from the blue and white basketball men's and women's scrimmage that we posted over the weekend. But also um, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you can rank and review us, that would be great. So we can continue to grow Wahoo's 24-7, but also the show. Um, and a quick note of the show, uh, we are sad to say that one of um, 24-7's national producers, Lance Glenn, uh, left the company. He actually got a new job, and it's a very exciting opportunity for him in uh, where he lives in New York City. So um that is the reason why we didn't have a show actually next thursday we actually edited a show but we had some miscommunication where on thursdays usually i get help with my production of my show where um i will record it and then someone will help edit it and post it so that i can focus on writing stories for the site unfortunately lance who used to help me is gone so we're gonna have a little bit of um transition period so i will be doing most of those edits so that means if you can bear with me as we work out a better schedule, especially when I will be on the road this week to number 10, North Carolina, and then I will be in Charlotte both Tuesday and Wednesday next week as Virginia women's basketball and Virginia men's basketball hold their media days. So I'll be on a road quite a lot next few days. Um, so the schedule of the podcast will be kind of being in flux until we have that transitionary period um, help. So, but I will have a podcast early next week detailing the North Carolina game. I just don't know when the second podcast will be or how that will look um, with me traveling both Tuesday and Wednesday and covering both the men's and women's basketball programs on those ACC media days. So two things. One, that's the content that's coming up on Wahoo's 24-7, but also what to expect as far as the podcast as we work through this transitionary period um, so that I could have a little bit more help as I post these. Now, what we're focusing on today, um, I want to start off with recruiting because we can that that was a big topic that was I get asked about recruiting a lot, especially during the bye week. Or yes, you're focused in 
on the team and what the second half of the schedule will look like, which is quite daunting to be fair. But when it comes to recruiting, that is the biggest question I have is who's next in the pipeline? Who are some of the guys that Virginia is doing well with? Is there any commits coming or is there anyone on flip watch? So I think before we get started on actually talking about that, I feel like we need to go kind of zoom out and get the bigger picture of what's going on in Virginia recruiting. So um, with that, I'm going to bring up the scholarship chart. This scholarship chart, um, and if it's on YouTube, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you have access to this. If you're a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, you have access to our scholarship chart on our message boards. It's currently pinned as one of the things up top. Um, I have it pinned there so that you can keep up to date of what's going on. So this is the scholarship chart. So as you can see, I, the way I separated because of the COVID year, it's really hard to do Richard Frenchman and all that stuff because of the COVID year. It adds an extra year of eligibility. On this chart, you see that I have through years of eligibility. So either four, three, two, or one years of eligibility. Um, and this is going to be adjusted too, because as you can see, Demick Starling is still on the, on the, chart, on the scholarship chart because technically he's still on a scholarship now, but obviously things, things will be changing. Um, and I update this every year. So right now you can tell from the scholarship chart that Virginia going into the season was at 83 scholarships because Aaron Famui, Cam Butler, um, and um, Jared Raymond scholarships, for instance, did not count against them because the NCAA gave them an extra year of eligibility because of what happened last November due to the tragedy. So those don't count against them. So technically they would be at 86 but they're only at 83 because those three scholarships don't count against them. Um, so right now, when you look at these scholarships, you can see that 12 players who have one year of eligibility left will no longer be on the, at the program next year. So that's 12 seniors. But Antonio Clary, um, as Tony Elliott said, he's uh, – wavering between a medical waiver. So we'll see how his injury, his ankle injury after surgery goes. If he does get a medical waiver, yes or no. So that one's kind of up in the air. So you have 12 seniors, but only nine of them will have their scholarship counted again for Virginia. Because again, like I said, a few of them were giving extra year of eligibility and civil So even if they leave, Virginia doesn't have their scholarship to give someone else. So that would make nine open scholarships just from the seniors your class. Now you move into the two year of eligibility left. Um, you should look at Demique Starling. He decided to red trip this year, and that is for the likelihood that he will enter the transfer portal. So that makes it 10 scholarship open. And then you look at some of the guys who are interested in possibly going to the NFL draft. So you're looking at guys like Chico Bennett, like Ben Smiley, like Jameer Carter, like Jonas Sanker. Jameer Carter is one that you can automatically go. He will be one of the guys to enter um, enter the NFL draft. So that's another guy. So that's about 10. So you're like, okay, 10 open scholarships. But then you also look at potentially other guys that might enter. I mean, Jonas Sanker is an option. I mean, Langston Long now with his injury could redshirt this year. So that all means he will have two years of eligibility left for next year. So that is something to also monitor. But then when you look at the three year of eligibility left, you see a lot of guys have been in UVA school system and the program for a bunch of years and are on the verge of graduating. Now, in those situations, then you consider, well, I can transfer with a Virginia degree and still have two years of eligibility. 
So this is the group that you're trying to cons- trying to see what's next for them. If do they stay and finish their career at Virginia or do they enter into the transfer portal? Because again, they're grad transfers. So this is again, that's their decision. Um, but that's like if you're looking at it objectively, that's a class that you're or that's the grouping that you would go, okay, what's next for them? Um, so it's the area of transfer portal, so you can possibly understand. You're like, okay, so if we have nine seniors and then you have a couple of guys that might be heading out so maybe let's say well we know jameer carter uh because he's announced it so we have that and demuke starling that's 11 and then you average out about five or six possibly so you think about let's say five players enter the portal you get about 16 and then if you go and you look at how many scholarships they have open they have two that they didn't have so with that, then you have about 18. So I still think they're going to probably sign in because a, a, numbers always work out. It's always the case. So you can probably expect them to sign a, about around 20, but you can see where, where everything kind of lies. It is, it, it is a little smaller senior class, but then you have to look at the two years of eligibility left and with those decisions that are going to be made. So that is the scholarship outlook. So, um, Definitely a lot of moving pieces as you look ahead. So, but you can see a couple scenarios where this might be a small class. And it is a currently a small class. Let's take a look at how big this class actually is. So this is the commit class currently for Virginia. They are down to 12. Um, as you know, if you're following along, Virginia had two more decommitments this week. Um, Christian Zachary had decommitted and flipped to NC state Jalen lackey decommitted and flipped to vandy and cedric franklin decommitted and flipped to georgia tech so those three are no longer part of the program which means virginia lost two dbs and one wide receiver which explains why they started if you kind of followed the offers they started going after some safety options around the same time that you noticed that um when when things started going with cedric franklin so they were prepared for Cedric Franklin. Um, we actually added a couple of notes about that decommitment on, on our Wahoo's 24-7 board for our VIP subscribers. So right now they've had three decommitments in this class. As far as who, if there's anyone else at risk, so right now they have 12 commitments. Miles Brown is the latest commit, and we should have a ranking here up soon for him. Um Ben Benjamin York visited and he's a solid commit. So is Ethan Minter. Those are two recent visitors uh, on ground for Virginia. Ben visited for the last uh, home visit. Ethan Minter visit for that JMU game. Tom, Tony Elliott and Kevin Downey were both at Thomas Dale during that bye week since Virginia coaches had the ability to travel last week. I think if I were looking at this list currently, I think the one that I would circle to watch is definitely defensive. I mean, defensive lineman Tyler Simmons, just because we have reported that he visited other school. He was at Kansas. Um, he is um, trying to see if you'll visit other schools. So when you're actively visiting other schools, you're obviously going to be on flip watch or at least at a, a guy that you're looking at. So Tyler Simmons would be the one that we will keeping monitor of. Um, a lot of these other guys have not visited other programs and um, have not confirmed any visits leading forward. So that's who you'd be watching as of right now. Kevin Gray is very, very quiet. I mean, he was quiet even before he committed to Virginia and he's kind of stayed quiet during this whole time. Um, he's the one that I get often a lot of questions with. Um, he's still a silhouette. He's, he keeps it really low key. 
when it comes to his recruitment. So, so right now, Virginia has 12 commitments. So when you look at their one big hole that you see there is there's one position missing from this class, and that is the quarterback. So Virginia is obviously looking to add a quarterback um, in this class. I would be shocked if they don't try to add a portal quarterback as well, especially with Jay Wolfick deciding to go to baseball and going with football. So that is something that you're also monitoring and transfer portal once it opens up in the winter. But Virginia is actively trying to try to find a guy to join this class at that position. So if you're trying to see which players to look out for coming up in the next few weeks, quarterback is that position. Uh, Elliot, like I reported on Wahoo's 27, Elliot and quarterback coach Taylor Lamb both journeyed to Alabama on Friday night to watch Jared Holland's a South Alabama commit play. He had a really good game in front of those two. He does have an offer. Um, he hasn't tweeted about it, but he had, does have an offer from Virginia. So that is a name to know. I mean, they've offered other guys and there's uh, maybe one other guy committed to another school. Um, Evan Chubba for Washington state. I, I think that will be harder to flip. So uh, Jared Hollins is definitely a name for me to, for you guys to keep an eye on uh, I running back. I don't, that's another position that you don't see here. Virginia's running back room is pretty crowded um, from all. I, I think there might be one running back if there's a chance. I mean, if, if a good running back says, I want to come to Virginia, you're not going to say no, but I don't think Virginia is focusing and just talking to people. I don't, I don't foresee a running back in this class. I think there were certain exceptions to that rule, I guess. Um, but I don't see that now at tight end. Virginia has John Rogers, who I feel like is still one of the most underrated prospects in this class. Um, just, I think a lot of schools were hesitant to offer him because they didn't know which position to put him in. And then he told Des Kitchings, like offer me at like, I want to play. Let's say if I play a tight end, what would happen And Virginia offered him? I think he's a very good talent, a uh, very good get for Virginia and a, a sleeper talent for this class. I think he's very underrated. So that is John Rogers at tight end. Um, at O-line, they have that's another position that I I hear a lot. I imagine why. Um, they have three commits currently in that class. And initially when this class was, kind of, when they were kind of looking at this class from talking to sources, they wanted three offensive linemen. So they got three offensive linemen. Now, of course, when you talk to Tony Elliott and Terry Heffernan, um, when, especially when we talked to Terry Heffernan, when he first took the position, he was saying there wasn't a number that he would look for. Um, I, know, I think it was Tony Elliott who said it was around 15, but for Heffernan, he said, you know, that was one position. I think even Tony Elliott said it during a later press conference that that is a position that you could over-recruit, like saying like maybe one or two more. Because at the end of the day, you're as we're seeing the last two years, trenches wins you or lose you games. So that is a position that we might, if there is an option in that case, and we've actually named a few on Wahoo's 24-7 when we reset our board, um, that they're still keeping in communication. So it kind of depends on what where they stand with those offensive linemen. So again, there are still some options there. So um, that's O-line, D-line. I think they'll take one more edge rusher if they can. They have offered one or two out there. Um, I don't see, I, I currently, those ones that have been offered, I don't see Virginia... Um, trending for them right now. So that's why I'm not bringing them up because I don't, don't, don't see Virginia trending with them right now. Um, Virginia is also looking at wide receiver by losing Christian Zachary. You lose your second wide receiver in this class. 
um, Tristan Ward is your lone wide receiver commit. I think Virginia would want to get at least two more in this class. That was the number I was told, right? Because this numbers fluctuate. So when I say this number is they wanted three, this number fluctuates with transfer portal, with who goes in, who can go as out. Some of these numbers will be um, more portal focused, more numbers of wide receiver. I think they want to get at least one more and they offered the wide receiver out of North Texas, and he's trying to schedule his official visits. And one of those official visits possibly is to Virginia. So again, there's a lot of new names and we reset the board and this is changing a lot the next few weeks. I expect Virginia to move on a few of the guys and possibly some of the, because at this point of the game, you're also offering a couple guys that are committed elsewhere. So with those, you're kind of hesitant to put those names out there or make those public offers. So if you're Virginia, um, or if you're even the recruit because you, you want to um, not, I guess, get it out there. If you're committed to another program, you want to make these some of some of these visits are quiet. Um, but yeah, right now, that's where they stand on the recruiting trail. That's and um, where they're going to have official visits. Obviously, December is going to be a big official visit. I I want to say the Duke game is the other official visit weekend, if I remember correctly, if the dates match. Um, obviously, you have Virginia Tech at home, but I think the Duke game is the the official visit weekend um, that Virginia has circled. Um, and obviously, you want to have a big unofficial, wick, unofficial visit game for the Virginia Tech game. But uh, I think the, uh, the official visit weekend is the Duke game is when they were going to have a couple of visits there and then obviously you have december which is lining up and then you have to that's also the time where you want to bring in a couple guys from the transfer portal as well so a lot of stuff going through and a lot of moving pieces going on but that's that's how we figure things out with for the recruits you look at the scholarship chart which i don't think i've ever i kind of dissected on the podcast before so you look at the scholarship charts look at your commitments and then look at your positions and if i bring back the scholarship chart one more time um you see that there is some holes that Virginia would probably like to fill. Um, obviously, I have, well, actually, I'm going to have to update this chart because I have Brian Stevens at guard when he should be at center and I'll probably move time if I furnish uh, up to uh, at guard. So if you look at that, I would assume that they would go for a center, um, for more of an experienced center to allow Dawson Alters to still continue to develop in his game. So I would assume that they would possibly go for a center to go behind Brian Stevens. Um, in that regard so and for Virginia you just want to keep a lot of these players together that's the retention right so that's the next step too is when you're recruiting not only are you recruiting the high school athletes transporter but also recruiting your locker room so that will also be big this offseason for Virginia since Virginia has a lot of good talent on this team um, so that's uh, that's kind of the recruiting recap and we're going to take a quick break here since that's a lot of information that I just threw out for the recruiting recap and then we're going to focus on the actual football team Moving on after the break. So we will be right back. (music) 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. And welcome back to the Go Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli for a while, who is 24-7. And the first half of the show was a heavy, heavy recruiting dose. Um, I think I get asked questions a lot about numbers and all that, all, all that what entails when it comes to recruiting. So I, I felt like I needed one podcast and um, to kind of break all that down so that people can understand what kind of goes into that. So right now, also, it is a time where Virginia went from just focusing on themselves during the bye week, getting healthy, and then kind of moving forward to facing number 10, North Carolina. And this is quite a second half of the season. Now, Virginia is coming in with a win against William Mary, which is obviously beneficial, kind of getting that confidence up, just getting more of kind of getting that off your shoulder because I, you know, talking to players after the game and says like, yes, it is, does feel like you're getting the monkey off their back a little bit coming in to that game with a win. But it is quite a daunting task when you look at the schedule in the second half, when you go to number 10, North Carolina, then you go to at Miami, which is a previously unranked team. And then you welcome Georgia Tech. So you're going to have your first home game on November 4th. So it's you have almost a month between home games and then you go and you have to journey to Louisville, another ranked team that will be on the road and not only will be on the road, but it'll be a Thursday night game. So you have that. And then you welcome another ranked team in Duke. And then you welcome your in-state rival, Virginia tech at home. So it is a, it is a tough schedule for your second half of the season. And um, if you listen to the lockdown podcast that, um, you know, Hawk and T Cove did uh, last week, um, and what they the, the that what their podcast says, a lot of us said the same thing was that when you're looking at Virginia in the second half of the season, you need to see progress on a couple of things that you didn't see in the first half of the season. Sometimes when you're this is a very, very tough schedule. So I don't think wins and losses will completely show you where the pro where the improvements are if you just look at that, because again, this is quite a schedule for a team that is although is healthier than when it was going to the William Mary with a lot of guys having bumps and bruises and playing through hurt and pain you have some guys still out i mean you have on that defense alone you have Sue Ogunloe, Cam Butler and Lex Long all on the defense side of the ball out for the season then you have Dre Walker a guy who had to come in due to injuries um and just a guy who won his position battle too He's out for a couple weeks. Um, so it's when you look at just the injuries on the defense side of the ball and the depth concerns in that position, you're also con- 
concern about this hectic schedule coin going that side because in the first half of the season we saw a, some uh, consistent issues in the games you know we, we mentioned it on the podcast several times that virginia didn't like nc state didn't lose didn't win that game uva lost the game against boston college virginia was winning the first half and then just seemed like they self-destructed in the second half it was really a jack one hide type of performance there where the first half there was this team that looked dominant and in control and seemed to have gotten momentum back on their side and didn't come out like that in the second half. Um, Boston College adjusted, but Virginia didn't adjust. It, it it felt they felt came out flat. And also, it felt like a team that didn't know how to end the game, didn't kind of go for the kill. And although they won against William Mary, like I mentioned in the podcast, like I mentioned it even in my five takeaways from the post game, you still see some of those issues. You see some of those penalties coming at ill-timed times. Um, so those are the things that when you look in the second half of the season, you want to see, you want to see improvements in those things, uh, because at the end of the day, you're, they're going to be underdogs for most of these games coming in. Do I think they might steal a win? I mean, I, you know, if you followed me, my career, you know, that I graduated from university of Miami and I've, I never discount Virginia when it comes to facing off Miami, but at the same, and, and I think Georgia tech that could be a close game and even Virginia tech, I think that will be a close game. So I don't think you can un- completely say this will be a winless second half of the season. I think Virginia might be able to shock a few people if, if they don't have self-inflicted wounds. Um, I'm still concerned with the depth at defense. I think they have a lot of talent on that defense, but I think it's also very young. So, and then I also, if they, st- for example, their rush defense, I'm still a little worried about, especially when you face North Carolina coming up. And that's something that, uh, I want to talk about uh, really quickly when you look at North Carolina. I, I think that's still a concern moving forward is their rush defense. And then I think that compiles with a lot of injuries in that secondary when you consider that Lux Long and Antonio Clary are not there, Dre Walker is not there. So you have a lot of injuries there moving forward. What I want to see moving forward is not, not self-inflicted wounds. You don't want to see those penalties. And against William Mary, uh, Paris Jones's five-yard touchdowns was nullified by a hold. You had a William and Mary drive that was extended due to a penalty. So, and then they eventually scored. So, I, I think that's what you want to clean up. You also want to clean up those turnovers on the offensive side of the ball. Some of those turnovers were coming just as Virginia was about to score. Obviously, momentum shifts come to that. If you VA scored, your game might have been a little bit different. So there's they're so close to turning it around. So they if those mistakes are cleaned up, then you can see this team and say, yes, this team is progressing, this team is moving forward. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The other thing is special teams. Obviously, Sidarian Harrison now is a returner, um, replacing Ethan Davies in that position. You also want them to do better in coverage when it comes to special teams. So a lot of things you want to see the second half of the season is improvement on special teams because at this point you're you're thinking all right uva's got one special teams miscue that they will have during a game so again these are little things that you're looking at in the second half of the season um if you're virginia and they are going into against number 10 north carolina and they're a team that has been on a roll they've had some big wins on their schedule, they're undefeated. And it's a you know, the oldest rivalry in the South. And coming into the season, the big question was can they 
have an offense that as as productive as last season without Josh Downs. And if you read her behind him in lines with Evan Rogers from inside Carolina, they've got a lot of options at wide receiver with Tez Walker, who's finally uh, eligible by the NCAA. And he came in and he had quite the quite the game against Miami in that win. Uh, he had three touchdowns and 133 yards receiving. So he's going to be someone that Virginia needs to win those battles with in the secondary. But what's big for them is not only do they have those wide receivers and they play with three tight ends, but they also have a run game. So I think the issue for Virginia in this game is that North Carolina does have a good balanced offense. So you can't leave your guys out in the island in the secondary, but then you have Omarion Hampton, who's had a productive run game for, for North Carolina. He had, he's second to, and Virginians are second to worst in the ACC in team rushing. And you have Omarion Hampton, who's done a good job for them. He had 195 yards against that game against Miami. So Virginia is going to have a lot of on its plate as a defense. That's why I was focusing a lot of those injuries. Now, Virginia did move things along um, on the linebacker front because Josh Ahern will not be available this week. So, uh, Cam Robinson and James Jackson are your two starters for the game. And then you have Stevie Bracey and Trey McDonald. That would be your backups and rotating in. So you have those guys are going to have their hands full with what North Carolina is going to able to bring with how they scheme out their offense with three tight ends, but also their run game. So that is uh, a, a battle when it comes to the their UNC's offense versus their defense. And it's the reason why when you look at how this spread is with a 23.5 points underdog, they're seeing where UNC can attack Virginia's defense. So that's that's where you see from that. And I think the only thing is I see the Virginia offense taking some strides um, with Tony Musket under center. I like Malik Washington and Malachi Fields are very good targets. And UNC's defense did improve from last year. I think they're not a liability anymore. Because last year it, they were the liability. I think they're just a defense that can are as an average enough defense that won't cost you games. That's what UNC has done on the defensive front. They will not cost you games, but they're not a liability. Um, and I think a lot of it is just a second year in Jin Chizik's defensive scheme. Uh, I think they have very two talented linebackers. And but you, I can tell you everything about UNC and who's are defensive guys and how they improved in that secondary uh, from last year. But at the end of the day, the defensive reportance doesn't really matter for me. It's what UVA's offense can do. Can they not turn over the ball? Can they uh, get push enough in that O-line or just get push enough in general to cause a, to create a run game like they did against William Mary? And can they protect Tony Musket? Because William Mary was able to get to Musket on some key third downs and was able to sack the quarterback. You can't allow that to happen against UNC. There's a lot of things in that William Mary game that you go, okay, that was okay against William Mary, but they can't do that against a better team like UNC. And the on the flip side too for UNC, you're asking, is it going to be a game where they have a letdown because they've had such a they have had big wins? Um, they're coming into the game as the overwhelming favorite. They're going to be at home, so you're also considering that side of things. Will this be a game that you can see a letdown? And honestly. Virginia has done a good job in in some quarters or even starting as of late. I, if you take out JMU game, Virginia has done a good job of coming out quickly. 
I could see them putting UNC on their back foot rather early. It's just about keeping that consistency. Can they keep that going for four quarters? And that's where I think the depth concerns through injury is where it might hurt Virginia. But um, which goes to what I think is going to happen in this game. And I kind of I hinted at it. I think Virginia has the ability of coming in and knocking UNC a little bit out from the, in the first quarter or so, maybe even the second quarter, and give UNC secondary some issues with Malik Washington and Malachi Fields. But I think Virginia won't be able to get a consistent run game going with how UNC's linebackers have been doing. So I don't think they'll have the ability to create that balanced offense that they're striving for. And unless Virginia's coaches also are aggressive and maybe going for that passing play or maybe going away from the run game, I don't know if they'll have enough to combat UNC's offense. Because I think against UNC, you're kind of like bend, don't break, (laughs) make them score on you, but go settle for those field goals. And I just don't know if they have enough to go after them um, in this in this time right now. Again, it's kind of like what I said. This is going to be a tough second half schedule. You're going to what you want to see is progress. So um, I think right now the betting sites have it again. UNC is the over 23 point favorite. I think the total total point count is 56. I'm not sure if I agree with all that. I do think UNC will come out with a win at home. I think it might be closer in the beginning of the game and then. Um, UNC will take control towards the second half. I think that's also a lot to do with depth. Again, I think this is a lot to do with depth and just uh, you, 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 for, for Virginia, you have to play such a clean game. You have to be perfect almost and your margin error is so small. And I haven't seen enough from the special teams, especially to say that the margin error. So, I mean, kudos to Will Bittredge, who's, who's done a good job uh, since that opening season, opening game against Tennessee You've seen him get more confidence and you can see him being he's done a good job coming back and he's been pretty consistent as a kicker for Virginia, but coverage hasn't been there. Um, They have not been able to uh, get that big return yet. Um, And there's just some mental cues and miscues and mental errors on that side of the ball that you're just expecting that special teams will give one opportunity for the other team and cost them points. So until you sort that out, I, I feel like Virginia can't upset UNC. I don't think it will be 56 points total. Um, I don't. I think um, our UNC counterpart, uh, Evan Rogers, said 45-10. Uh, when I talked to them, I said something wrong in the 30s to about 14 for Virginia. So I, I would probably say around there. I think Virginia, um, unfortunately, will not be able to get a win in Chapel Hill. But we shall see how this goes. Uh, Virginia has a history of playing UNC pretty tightly. So um, I will be at Chapel Hill to cover this game. So um, I'll have everything from Chapel Hill on Wahoo's 24-7. And just like I mentioned in the top of the show, I'll also be in Charlotte, North Carolina next week for both women's and men's basketball tip-off. Unfortunately, I will not be at Miami. So because I'll be in basketball, I will not journey to Miami. But um, that's all coming on both Wahoo's 24-7, but also on the podcast. We'll have some takeaways from Media Day as well. So a lot is coming in the next couple of weeks. And just like I said in the top of the show, we are working through this transitionary period to see how the podcast schedule will look um, permanently as we try to figure this out. It's been going on for the last two, three weeks. And um, we're trying to see what best way to kind of coordinate that moving forward. But we'll be back next week. So 
Um, we'll have full coverage of this game at North Carolina, and we'll break down the game um, to see what worked and didn't work. So for right now, I'm Jackie Franchuli, and I hope you have guys have a good rest of your week.